Welcome to Talk Therapy CBT, a conversation about educating, helping, and connecting individuals to the world of psychology. This podcast is supported and produced by Inner Balance Psychology Center. I'd like to thank our first sponsor, Dr. Alba Raffaella, for sponsoring our show. She is promoting her book called Breaking the Mirror, and that is available on Amazon and also at Barnes & Noble. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Raffa, and join with me is my co-host, Anthony Dana. How's it going today? In like a lion, out like a smaller lion. We're doing okay. How lioness, are you? Little lionessy today. Yeah, it's okay. I'm doing good. Not bad. So we have um, title today, I had, and we have some quotes. I came up with something a little bit different, and I got your blessing. Right. I said, you know what? I think I would like to, because we touched on it the first episode, but a lot of people probably didn't listen to the first episode. And like I tell a lot of people, you can just pass that one by because it's like the first <laughs> pancake, you know. Um, we've gotten a lot better, especially me, because I was terrible back then. So, but what I would like to do is revisit a little bit of what we did that first episode, which was just talk about Dr. Rafa and her background, just because people were listening, you know, I think they would appreciate that. They're getting, whether advice, intel, you know, whatever from the previous episodes. So I decided to call this episode Building Inner Balance. So my quote in light of that is, everybody has a story and there's something to be learned from every experience. That is by Oprah Winfrey. That's my quote for today, you know, yeah. is inspired by this episode. Well, I like it for a few reasons. One is very CBT oriented that our experience shapes our beliefs, our perceptions, you know, our views of the world and ourself and others. And we, everyone has a story. You never know what someone's background may be. You might just see what's presented that day, but you don't know, just like Oprah Winfrey, right? She had a, a struggle throughout her life. You don't, it just looks like she's this successful person, not knowing the uh, pain that she had to struggle through. And people will often jump to conclusions about uh, individuals that are successful. And it's good to know there's an old saying, of course, uh, you know, remember where you came from. Don't get too big for your britches. And, <laughs> but I also like, I like to know where individuals came from, like what they went through. It helps you understand the individual better, doesn't it? I mean, especially with what you do. I mean, like you have to, yeah. the backstory of your patients helps mm -hmm. you kind of put the puzzle together, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And that's how I kind of, that's how I remember people's, I guess, story is as a story. Because I do take notes, obviously, I have to take progress notes, but I'll often have this story about this person because they'll, patients will say to me, how do you remember that? And I'm like, well, because that was part of your story. Could be some tidbit of information that I threaded in to know about this person's history. Right. I mean, and it's easier to remember if it's told, you know, first person, mm -hmm. um, you know. All right. Okay. And what's your quote? So mine's a little similar. I don't, I guess this is like a biography to a degree. So biography is history seen through the prism of a person. And this is by Lewis Fisher. I'm not sure who that is, but I believe it's very similar to yours. It's like, again, our worldview is, you know, how we see things. Mm -hmm. We can understand other people's point of view and have empathy, but you know, what do you think? Do you think history, especially the history part? Oh yeah, history scene. I can appreciate that. Everyone yeah. has a history. So actually this, this topic is a little relatable because we are in the process of interviewing uh, candidates in all three offices. And it's often asked of me, you know, why the whys and the hows and how I got to this place and why I want to be a psychologist. So kind of makes sense as to why we're, we're threading this in today. So uh, it's a Q&A, huh? 
Yeah, I don't worry. I'll take it easy on you. And I don't know these questions. I know maybe I can guess it. Yeah, well, some are obvious. Right. Okay. <laughs> so let's start off with the first basic one. A little bit about your upbringing. You know, where did you grow up? Siblings, no siblings, uh, family life. But and let's start off with, I guess, um, where did you go to elementary school? Hmm. Well, so I I live in Marlton now, but I grew up in South Jersey, further south in Cumberland County, in a little town called Deerfield Elementary School. It's in Rosenheim. Not many people know of this place, so not that many. <laughs> it's uh, obscure to a lot of people, but I we grew up there. My dad came here from Sicily when he was 16, and my grandparents settled in Glassboro. And my parents had wanted to get land because they wanted to build a house, and there wasn't much around. South Jersey, Cumberland County had it. So we migrated there. That's where I grew up. And then I went to Carmel Regional High School and then went off to college. So did I ever tell you that I'm from Rosenhain as well? I Yeah, I knew that. And did you know that I went to Deerfield Township also? I know. And Cumberland Regional. I know it's amazing that it's, it's we weird. grew up in the same place when um, I met you, and that was one of the yeah. We met in 2020, and we never knew each other, but we know a lot of the same people. We both went to the same schools. It's it's it was kind of eerie. It was yeah. Apparently, um, we were in high school at the same time. We were in Deerfield at the same time. So we've thought about were we in the lunchroom together? Were we walking down the hall together? Yeah, yeah I'm sure. So I'm sure. Well, we were uh, a couple of the and again the uh the, we talked about the Deerfield Township all purpose room. Yeah, hit your cafeteria, was, your gymnasium, yeah, and your auditorium all wrapped up in one. It was. I know. Yeah. So okay. So uh, moving right along. Okay. Was it in high school or when was it that you were thinking about going into psychology? The field mm -hmm. of psychology. Actually, was not in high school. My dad put the idea in my mind to be a lawyer, specifically a family law <laughs> lawyer, family law attorney. And I had thought that that's what I wanted to do. So I went to Rutgers in New Brunswick. So I was in state still. And I majored in philosophy and I started taking psychology classes and I love psychology. So I double majored. I hated political science because that's the route you're supposed to go. Hated it. And I was like, gosh, what am I going to do with my life? Throughout my life, I was told, oh, you're such a good listener amongst friends and your helper. So it was kind of implanted as a therapist, maybe, but it wasn't really something I thought about seriously till I was in college. Um, so I double majored in psychology and philosophy just in case I wanted to go to law school. What do you think? So when we talked about the one episode on birth order. Mm -hmm. So do you think that could be something else that we can look up statistics for and revisit that episode where mm -hmm. what profession has the highest amount of firstborn or second? So like, do you think that uh, maybe shaped your path? Oh, yeah. Firstborn? Yeah. So I'm the oldest of four girls. So I definitely was in the caretaker role, responsible, studious, academic, mm -hmm. right. caretaker, rescuer, that kind of thing. So yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. My uh, personality, I tend to be pretty soft-spoken and laid back and have a good energy apparently about me. So seemed like it would be a good fit. So from there, your collegiate timeline as far as you becoming certified and, you know, throughout the, uh, the late 90s into the 2000s, uh, what was that path like for you? Um, so I graduated college in 1996 and I moved out to California for nine months thinking I was going to go to graduate school out there. And no, it didn't. <laughs> I was out there for some time. I was homesick. So I came back and I just went back to Rutgers for grad school. Before I went to grad school, I was thinking I wanted to do the five-year stint of getting my PsyD or my PhD. A friend of mine told me at the time they had a master's degree in social work. So you can get your master's in social work. And I said to her, 
I don't want to be a social worker. And she said, no, no, you can do private practice and be a therapist. And I went back and forth with it for some time. At the time, it was just social work as an option. Now they have other degree programs at a master's level degree. So I did that. And that was a two-year program. So I stayed in New Brunswick. I ended up in North Jersey working at an agency where I accrued my clinical hours to become an LCSW. And the training I got was amazing in family therapy. It was structural family therapy. We went in the homes of youth, you know, that were troubled in the system with DIFUS, at the time DIFUS, DCPP now. And they were going off to placement. They're going off to residential placement. So we had to try to help these families do in-home family therapy. And uh, that was a great time working with a team of people. So that was my early career and <laughs> experience. And then you, you opened your own practice? No, not then. So that was 98 to 2000. And then I wanted to work in private practice. So I worked in a few group practices up in Hackensack, North Jersey. Then in Hamilton, I was with a neuropsychologist doing a lot of personal injury cases. I was working tireless hours, <laughs> seeing 60 patients a week. It's a lot of patients, by the way, 60, 60, yeah. a lot. Um, but I learned a lot. And at the time, I decided that I wanted to go to school. I wanted to get my doctorate. So I did that while I was working there. So while I was working full-time, I was also going to school, essentially full-time to a degree. And then I had my child. Okay. I think you remember, remember you telling me um, there's a lady that you were working for that kind of inspired you to mm -hmm. eventually build your own psychology center. When we graduate from our program, we have to have hours accrued to become a licensed psychologist and you have to work under a supervisor to do that. So I was a postdoc and my friend and colleague, Jill, did that. So I was working for her for some time in her practice. And then I started my own practice. So I had a solo practice in 2009. And I got so busy because there's not that many child psychologists around at the time that I took insurance as well. And then Jill died suddenly and it kind of hit me that I don't want to be working 40 hours a week. I mean, I still am to, to this day, but in a different way because I just couldn't keep up with the demand. And I was lonely in private practice. So I decided to expand in 2014 and create Inner Balance, which is the, the group practice that I own. What were... So I love the name Inner Balance, mm -hmm. and it's so, I mean, it's very telling. What were some other names that you were playing around with, you were considering? Because I always love to know, you know, in movies, who, well, we were thinking about this guy playing that role, and we were like, oh, that could not mm -hmm. never work. So what were some other ideas for, because I can't, I can't imagine, you know, it being called anything but Inner Balance at this point, but mm -hmm. what were you thinking about? Being that I'm Italian, a lot of uh, the family businesses that my family has owned has like Italian word in there to um, have a meaning behind it. So initially it was called Saldo Psychological Services, and I actually registered it that way. And then I changed it. And Saldo means strength, stability, balance. So okay. a little bit the same. Okay. And I tell you, some of my best ideas come in the middle of the night. I woke up at like midnight one night and inner balance just popped into my mind, literally you know, popped into my mind. I know it sounds corny, no, it, but it, it's just that's what and, happens. And I loved it and everybody liked it. And yeah, you should have a, um, a pad and pencil a paper, next, to your bed. You know, next to your, on your bedside, just in case when you wake up and you can jot it down before you forget it. And so, tell you what, Saudo, it's, it's not, no, it's not a catchy, but it's very different. And uh, you know, I like that it would like, somebody would have to like look up what it means. So like, I kind of dig that, but inner balance is, um, blows off your tongue a little better. Yes. And then some of the therapists, we started just, uh, saying IB, you know, so we just shortened it to IB. Well, it's something that when you think about it, inner balance, 
yeah, I'd like to have that in my life. <laughs> sure, I'll go there. Part of my mission statement, you know, it's funny when we did the fall festival on Main Street in Marlton, because my former office was on Main Street. And each year they would do a fall festival. People would walk by, we'd have a table and a booth and give away food, of course, and give away like goodies and stuff. And they, people would say, <laughs> what is Interbound? They thought it was like a, a rehab Sounds like a yoga center, or it sounds it like could a, be a lot of things. You're right. Physical, physical therapy place, and you know, but a lot of people more or less get the inner inner balance gymnastics. You yeah, know. you can use it for a lot of things. <laughs> I've had some people after they've gone through therapy and and had some success say, "Now I get it. Now I understand this inner balance that I want for my goal." <laughs> so, so you you have your own practice, your own private practice. Yeah. And then you have roughly how many employees w- employees working for you? Um, like 17. I have two admins and I want to say, I think I have 16 therapists at the time. And like I said, we're still hiring. It just got bigger. Within eight years, it just really took off. I started the practice in Pennington in Mercer County. And I had a few women that worked with me there. And then I opened an office in Marlton so I could be closer to home because I was commuting closer to my son. And of course, knowing my luck, it happened simultaneously where the lease became available (laughs) at the same time in Pennington that I waited for as Marlton. So I opened two offices at the same time in 2000. When it rains, it pours. Rains, it pours. Yeah, that's what happens in my life. It seems to be that way. And then the third office came? 2018, third office. I had some employees that worked in Philadelphia. And I don't know, the idea just kind of came to my mind to look for a place in Philly. That was scary. That was the biggest risk. Okay. I think I had to get licensed in the state. I had, I knew no one. A lot of red tape, a lot of dot. Oh yeah, for Philly. Eyes to dot and T's across. It's a lot of... A lot of like um, just registering and paperwork, licensing. I had to get licensed there, which took a while, looking up the rules for that. And I opened the offices in Center City. It was scary. And you know what? The um, Apparently the doorman, or not the doorman, the property manager or the maintenance man, I don't know what his title is in Philly. He said to one of my employees, I really thought you guys weren't going to work out. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> At least he's being honest. I, know, huh? I, thought, I thought you were going <laughs> to fail. I'm like, hmm, okay, that's great. So we had the network. I had to use all the skills that I had to build relationships with providers in the area. We're pretty hooked in with Drexel University and some of the other colleges, UPenn, the hospitals, obviously. So it was very scary and I was pretty stressed at the time, but so far so good. It's working out. Yeah, that that was kind of a backhanded compliment. That <laughs> I know, I thought you were going to be terrible at this. So then came COVID. And how did that affect your business, uh, your bottom line, just Mm -hmm. um, as far as being a psychologist and also having, um, you know, your employees uh, to consider, your business to consider? How did that affect you? Well, fortunately, beings that were not hands-on for the most part, uh, we were able to be saved by telehealth because it was allowed, still is allowed right now with the major insurance companies for the most part. And I have a great group of, you know, women team that were able to really talk and transition and everybody just, you know, figured it out with me about how to still be able to see patients and transition because we we pretty much had not, you know, no notice. We were doing a little telehealth prior to this, but it wasn't really covered by insurance. So it Mm. wasn't really that prevalent. Right. So fortunately, we were able to transition to telehealth and that really helped It was, as far as bottom line goes, it definitely had some pros and cons as far as uh, 
money I have to pay to billing, credit card fees. So a lot of things changed that, that as yeah. opposed to cash. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't know that you had mm-hmm. to consider until this happened and you just have to mm-hmm. circle the wagons and just mm-hmm. get through it, right? Yep. So we're riding the wave still of the pandemic. We're really busy as everyone is in my field and people are affected by it, clearly, specifically children, as you know, being oh, an yeah. educator. Oh, that's a whole other whole thing. A whole other show, right? Yeah. Uh, we can have an interview about you and how uh, yeah, you became. Uh, yeah, we could. The psychology of, of, of uh, <laughs> psychology of Anthony oh, gosh. How you became a history teacher. Yeah. So kids are still affected socially, academically. You know, people are affected with health, anxiety, marriages, relationships. College kids are affected with, you know, being behind academically as well. So but, not, all, not all people can learn virtually, as you know, like it's well, not an easy thing to do, right? So do you find now that over two years, officially, mm-hmm. the masks are gone again, unless you're flying, obviously, mm-hmm. and you know it's kind of tapering off slowly but surely. Do you mm-hmm. find that that uh, most people want to get back into the office and and get back to what really worked for them, uh, you know, therapy in person, or do you, do you find it it's a mix of people still? Are a little bit cautious. So definitely more people wanting to come in, especially new patients that are calling that didn't transition to telehealth. And we see the need for people to come in the office, especially the kids really need to be in person. So the insurance companies are still covering telehealth. Some people really want to just stay home, especially in our Philadelphia office. We're noticing that people don't live in the area anymore. They've moved out of the city Mm. or kids maybe are going to school online, you know, so they're not in school, in grad school or undergrad maybe. Or taking classes from home. So we've seen it there, but it's been tough. It's still hybrid. It's still a mix, but we're definitely seeing an increase with people coming in the office and we encourage it just because it's a different clinical experience than being on a camera. Yeah. I mean, you can miss a lot. It's just not the same bonding, no. you know, and building the rapport. Some of my clinicians never even met their patients in person. I know there have, I had one or two of those individuals where we never met in person. So it's just a little strange. Yeah, I mean, I think at at the time, you know, about a year and a half ago, when there was still a lot of question marks, um, you know, it was a necessary evil. But, you know, I I think we're way past that now. Yeah, I see it. If I had it my way, (laughs) I would see it as a sometimes thing. Telehealth sometimes, maybe still come into the office a couple of times a month if you're coming in every, every other week or something. There's a snowstorm, you're sick. Well, of course. Use yeah, it for yeah, that yeah. purpose, but not your entire treatment being online. Others may disagree, you know, because there might be some advantages. There's some advantages for people who maybe can't get in, you know, like driving, like they can't drive because they have a physical illness or disability. So we can reach those individuals. For so sure. Positives to it. And I'm not saying eradicate it completely. Right. But I agree. We've shifted into, you know, coming close to the end of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially, you know, people who suffer anxiety and, you know. Yeah. And they're avoiding. It's like doubling down with that. Right. And it's hard for us to do the exposure exercises or someone who's depressed. They really need to get out of the house and do some behavioral activation. Like laying in bed and talking to me on video is really not helpful (laughs) for them. So as most things, there's pluses and minuses, but I'm really hoping that we're trending in the direction of back to in office. I, th- I think you I know? think everybody is. I mean, it's just, uh, I think some people are just stubbornly holding on for dear life. And for, I think for their own good, it's not going that way. And I think they're going to be happy about it after the fact, kind of like 
you know, when my mom used to make me do things I didn't want to do, and then I'm glad I did them. And she, you know, it's like, see, I was right. Yeah, you were right. You know, so. Um, oh, yeah. It's like the essence of parenting, getting your kids to do things. Well, yeah. or, or teaching even, right? Teaching kids. What's a, so going into the field of psychology. Mm-hmm. And again, like you said, we can, we, if you want to flip the script and we can do one of these for me too, and I can tell you my opinion for teachers, but we're talking about you and psychology. What are some popular misconceptions that people have Going into psychology and then maybe like going out, looking for a job, looking for a place to, to practice or, you know, to get involved. Uh, what, what, are, what are some things that are maybe that they're maybe taking from college that are, you know, not accurate or that, you know, that they need to open their eyes to? Well, I mean, some programs don't really do enough internship or field work, you know, okay. and people aren't getting the full experience of what it's like to sit in a room with someone and what kind of clients, you know, that they want to work with. You kind of don't know until you see those individuals. So you might think you want to work with a certain population and you you don't know until you start with them. I think a lot of people don't realize how much work it is, you know, to be a therapist or a psychologist because you have to be comfortable sitting with people in pain and not trying to fix things all the time, not trying to be condescending and a know-it-all with them, even if you have a doctor title, and also being comfortable with it's good enough that that this person, they might have anxiety on a scale of zero to 10 at a five all the time. That's fine. Like you, it, we have to be realistic in your expectations as a clinician and not work harder than the patient. Because that's always a naive thing in the beginning of getting frustrated. And when I teach and supervise individuals, like, nope, you're working too hard. You're working harder than the client. You can't do that. And then the natural therapeutic skills that hopefully most people have (laughs) coming out of school, having natural good listening skills and empathy and being able to just offer validating and people skills, basically, because some people go into the field and they should not be in the field. So if you're going into the field, what... Why should you want to go in the field? What should you have? Like, what should be your passion or what should be? Like expectations, you mean? Yeah, yeah. As far as what, like salary or as far as Um, clients or the kind of people you're going to work with? Well, just, you know, one, so you don't burn out. Oh, so you don't burn out? Yeah. Don't see 60 patients a week. Don't see 40 patients a week. Like I was seeing 40 patients a week, uh, 10 patients a day back to back in order to make ends meet, you know, four days a week. It's not advisable. You have to, we cap at 28 to 30 patients a week and that's considered full-time. And also having realistic expectations about pay rate. And a lot of people don't realize what it takes to run a practice, run a business, and the overhead that goes into that. So I always give people, you know, a challenge like, okay, make sure, find out about what other places are doing. What's it like in a hospital? What's it like in a nonprofit? What's it like in a school? What's it like in an agency? Right. And what's important to you and what do you value? You know, because you learn a lot when you first start, you have to be humble. Yeah. That you have to well, ask questions. You should be. Oops, ask questions and ask for guidance and get supervision. You know, even us being in the field a long time and seasoned, it's it's great to talk about cases and have teamwork and peer supervision because you can burn out. I think asking questions is important. And then I think what's more important and so is listening to those answers. And then really, I'm just speaking from my experience when I've had a couple of student teachers or people who have had to observe class for college and they have to come in to get their hours. And then if they ask me a question and then I answer the question and then they, well, well, what about this? And and so, well, they said, do you want the answer to the question or do you want to just come up with, I mean, I've been doing this for how many years and you're in college. Mm -hmm. Do you want to learn or do you just want to, you know, I don't have time to debate you. 
here's the answer. If you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. just humble. listen. And, yeah. And, listening and being humble. And even if you look, I have a lot of certifications and things that I was interested in and I still have a lot to learn. So I try to be humble with, you know what? I don't know it all, of course. And there's things I need to learn. And I think that asking for help and listening to the help is a good way to grow as a clinician. And oftentimes it's advised that we go into our own therapy, you know, to work out our issues because a lot of our issues could be triggered by patients from our own family of origin, you know, maybe going into a certain patient population because of our history. So being really aware of yourself is important. Having insight and awareness and being open to feedback is very important because it's not always easy. We used to videotape our sessions in my trainings. It was horrendous to do, but it was such a great growth experience. And I had to sit in a room full of people while they watched me be a brand new therapist and give Mm -hmm. me feedback. They were kind, like they, you know, told yeah. the truth. They were, didn't just kick I, my butt. I, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, you don't want to just berate somebody or go over all their, their negative, what they're doing wrong and, and so on. But then also too, I remember this and this was a, you know, for me, it was a maturity thing where, you know, I, if somebody was criticizing me, I think, you know, a lot of people at a very young age, criticism hurts their feelings as opposed to instead of getting your feelings hurt, worried about that, think about what I'm saying. Is there some truth to it? Really own it or think about it. Are you guilty of this from time to time? Or Mm -hmm. do you see what he or she sees that they're they're saying? And then you can actually, because if you actually really want to be better, you need to get that hurt feelings or, oh, they're criticizing me again. No, no. They want to make you better. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I sometimes I'll tell a kid, you know, or a kid in class and they're, and how they're, you know, studying or not studying or what they're doing. I'm like, the reason why I'm actually having a conversation with you is because I, I see that you can get better. And, and if, no, if I didn't care. think that you could, yeah. I, I probably wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't talk to you or I wouldn't, you know, so like, I mean, take that, take that as a, as a comment. <laughs> I actually care, you care enough to, to criticize you. You care enough to give yeah. feedback. Otherwise yeah. it's just one, one number in your class. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a a lot of different uh, areas in in psychology, you know, that people can go into. There's an allure to private practice because there's a lot of flexibility that comes with that and certain patient population that, you know, is appropriate for our level of care. So kind of just, you know, really, like I said, learning about yourself is key. Everyone who starts out is naive, everyone in the beginning. So knowing that and being humbled to that is, is really important. And knowing your limits, you know, knowing what kind of client you're appropriate to work with, it's appropriate to work with you, you know, do's and don'ts, that's important too. So that's in a nutshell. Does that answer your question, sir? Yes, yes, it does. Um, And we might revisit this later on more, more current day, because I'm fascinated with um, the evolution of inner balance. Yeah. And just uh, what it has become and what it is still becoming. It's, you know, it's been a journey for sure. It got bigger than I had anticipated in a short amount of time. And I'm very proud of it. I am technically a corporation, which is really cool. I never thought that it would be this big, but I'm embracing it and hoping that, you know, I can continue to grow it. So this well, podcast can maybe help with that, but this is more for fun. Than yeah, absolutely. Vetting the patients, but yeah. Once again, if anybody has any questions about this or any other podcast, if you want us to revisit an old one, if you want to come up with a, a subject matter, we'd be more than happy to, you know, consider it and, you know, work out an episode. If you just had random questions, I always said, you know, it'd be great if we had just like a, maybe a Q&A segment and then we might, you know, try to work on that where we come up with other areas that you can send your questions. But, you know, please 
don't hesitate. We would love to hear from you. The other thing that we're going to toy around with, we've only had one guest so far, but we can start having guests on the show with different backgrounds. Doesn't have to just be a therapist. It could be lots of different individuals. So that's TBD. (laughs) We're uh, working on that with our schedules. Everyone, thanks for listening to our show. Catch all of our episodes and more at www.innerbalancepsychology.com. Email us if you have any questions at info at innerbalancepsychology.com. And remember to stop it and give yourself a chance. Thank you.